This is Cruise Radio. In these winter months, consider TripInsurance.com to cover your next cruise investment. Buy direct from the leading insurers and save up to 40% or more on comparable plans from the other sites. Get a quote today and save from TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. A review of Royal Caribbean's Freedom of the Seas today. Also, Sherry Laskin stopping by with Cruise News. A couple of new videos up on the Cruise Radio YouTube channel. You'll want to check out the deck-by-deck walkthrough of Norwegian Joy when we did the three-night sailing from Vancouver to L.A. So uh, about a 20-minute-ish video there, but you can skim through it. If you'd like to, you won't hurt my feelings. Also, Cruise Radio News, our daily quick hits of the news Monday through Friday. Just find that where you listen to your favorite podcast. Just type in Cruise Radio News. All right, Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News. Hello, Sherry. Hey, Doug. Another cruise line is raising gratuities. Yeah, it is. They're following suit with everyone else. And this time it's Princess who is increasing their gratuities. You know, there's a little bit of good news in this. They haven't raised it in the last since 2016. So they're catching up with Carnival Norwegian and and Royal. So here's what you can expect. And the date for the change is May 21st. It will be $14.50 per person per day. And that's whether you're in an inside, an ocean view, or a balcony. And again, it's only going up a dollar more per person. So that would mean that if you're in a mini suite, you'll be paying $15.50 per person per day. And if you're lucky enough to be in a suite, well, you're going to pay $16.50 per person per day. Now, if you're already booked and you want to avoid the, the extra $7 per person upcharge, it's going to be possible by paying your gratuities before May 14th. You can lock them in now at the lower rate. Here's a strange story. A cruise ship, well, some people call it a passenger vessel, it was quarantined in St. Lucia because of an outbreak. Yeah, this is really kind of creepy. And it, it is a cruise ship of sorts. It used to be the Lob, or the, the Boheme from ni- the 1960s. But anyway, the ship is now called the Free Winds, and it is owned by the Church of Scientology. So the health officials in St. Lucia quarantined the passengers and crew of the free winds once it was confirmed that one person, at least one person on board, had the measles. They weren't going to let anyone come ashore. It's just too contagious. Have you ever seen that ship, Sherry? Just thinking about it, I might have, but I I wouldn't have identified it as anything other than a small private ship of sorts. More issues for Royal Caribbean's Allure of the Seas. Yeah, once again, Allure has had to alter course because of a technical issue, and it seems to be ongoing. So this time, as before, the problem is with one of the ship's three propulsion pods. So the Allure's itinerary currently has replaced St. Thomas with Puerto Rico, and coming up, the time spent in Nassau would also be adjusted. Future itineraries are showing shorter times in port, but as of this moment, no port swaps are planned. So I don't also don't know the date that they're going to repair the um, the pod. So that's still up in the air as far as I can find. Yes. Yeah, so if you have a plan to sail Allure of the Seas, check your correspondence with your travel agent or the cruise line just to make sure you're still on track there. Speaking of Royal Caribbean, when that crane fell on Oasis of the Seas last month in Freeport, that cost them a lot of money. Yeah, this happened last month. Um, Oasis of the Seas was in Grand Bahama Island at the shipyard for refurbishment 
when the main crane collapsed. At least eight people were injured, plus the ship sustained damage to the aqua theater and the aft suites that overlook the aqua theater. And it was just revealed at a Royal Caribbean meeting that lost revenue is going to total about $52 million. It's just been kind of a rough go here. Royal Caribbean also laid the keel for their upcoming ship this past week. Yeah, now here's the positive spin. There was a keel-laying ceremony it took place for Royal Caribbean's newest quantum ultra-class ship called Odyssey of the Seas. And during the event, here's how, here's how it all went down. The 800-ton crane hoisted the 79-ton keel block into the building dock. And at that point, they, they put uh, gold coins. In fact, uh, freshly minted gold coins are affixed under the keel, at least on this ship it was. And they're going to be removed when the ship leaves dry dock. But, you know, just a little history. Sometimes on other ships, these newly minted coins will be affixed to the mast or the hull, and they'll be on there permanently. So Odyssey of the Seas will have the coins either removed or placed elsewhere. And last but not least, as Royal Caribbean had a big weekend with the grand opening of Perfect Day at Coco Cay, but now it's looking like they may be able to accommodate more people during the day. That's what it looks like. So the Perfect Day at Coco Cay, <laughs> I hate saying that, but it's, you know, it should be key, but it's K. And Well, anyway, at the moment, the pier is currently able to handle two ships at the same time. But like you said, you know, they may have overshot the runway and made a little extra space. So they're considering expansion to accommodate three ships at the same time. Uh, but FYI, you know, that would allow maybe up to 12,000 passengers on the island at once. And they're also toying with an idea of having ships spend an overnight at Coco Cay. So, yeah, they've got plenty of room. And, and you know, I haven't... Um, I don't have any plans yet to go there. Do you? Not yet, but I have my eye on some sailings out of Port Canaveral. Yeah. Should be interesting to see it, though, especially that hot air balloon. Yeah, the photos look great, and they built that really quick. I know. They really did. It just went – it doesn't. It seems like – I don't even think it was a year ago that they announced it. Mm -hmm. Listener question comes from Mary. You can email yours, Doug, at cruiseradio.net. How easy is it to get to LAX from Long Beach? We are in the planning stages of our upcoming cruise and trying to figure out if Uber is cheaper than a carnival transfer. We are a family of four. Hi, Mary. Well, first, I'll assume you mean Los Angeles Airport and not Los Angeles Union Station for Amtrak. So based on the airport, if you bought the carnival transfers round trip or to and from, it's going to cost you $29.99 to go from the airport to the Port of Long Beach. And that's not, the, that's not San Pedro. We're talking about the Port of Long Beach where Carnival is always docked. Comparatively speaking, if you go by Uber, the cost will be somewhere. And remember, this is for the entire car, not per person. It would run somewhere from the low $30 for the plain Uber X. And if you wanted to go with an Uber XL, it's going to be somewhere in the low $70 range. Lyft will run you just a little bit less. But if you're going to do a shared ride, you need to keep in mind, and I just learned this, and I dug you did too, that uh, thousands of passengers are also going to be calling for an Uber or a Lyft at the same exact time. So if you don't want to see um, no cars in area show up on your Uber app, you can arrange a pickup time um, and specify what time you want to be picked up. So if you know you have later debarkation, you know, say 9.30, you can order it for 9.30. And I, didn't, I did not know you could do that. Sherry, was that 29.95 per person? Was that each way or a round trip? 
That's one way. Oh, wow. Yeah, definitely do an Uber or a Lyft. Yep. Taxi will run somewhere around $80 for the taxi. You know, the Ubers and the Lyfts are running in and out of the port all the time until they absolutely, you know, they run, (laughs) run out of cars. Yeah, and if you're paying $120 for each way, you're probably a heck of a lot better off just getting an Uber XL, which is the Suburban, and it'll get you right there and arrive in comfort and not with a million other people on a transfer bus. Yep. Been talking with Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com. Thank you, Sherry. Thanks, Doug. We always enjoy answering your shore excursion questions here on the show. Fielding the questions today is Rob from CruisingExcursions.com. Hey, Rob. How you doing, Doug? How you good, doing? Good, buddy. So the first question here, we are sailing on the Norwegian Star on July 28th and want to do an excursion in Corfu. We've seen the beaches, so is there an option to experience more of the history and culture? Oh, definitely. Corfu is one of those islands, though. Um, it's got a lot going for it. It's not just the beaches there. Um, it's becoming more and more popular for cruisers as well. So rather than just relaxing on the beach and having a cocktail, if you took our essential collection, Corfu Flavors and Sights Excursion, now this allows you to see the, the real everyday life of Corfu. So of course you'll get a chance to travel down the beautiful coastlines, uh, see the picturesque villages of the island. As I say, you'll learn about the history and the daily life of a typical Corfu citizen. You know, when you are porting this destination for the first time, Rather than just spending your day on the beach, it's always advised to take the tour and really get the most out of your time while you're in Corfu. The tour would take you to Palio Castrizza Beach, which is a world-famous tourist beach uh, within Corfu. You'd take a trip to the viewpoint Bella Vista, which again gives some fantastic picturesque views across Corfu and across the ocean. So if uh, you are like an avid photographer or anything like that, I would definitely recommend taking um, your camera on this tour. And then we would round up um, the tour with a visit to a local kumquat distillery um, just to see some local produce of the island and maybe even pick yourself up a little bottle just to take on board with you. This next question, we're visiting KOTOR on our cruise and we've never been here before. Any recommendations on what we should visit while in port? Of course, definitely. I think KOTOR is one of those ports that often gets overlooked. Mm-hmm. Um, but Montenegro, it's a beautiful place, um, some stunning scenery, um, and the locals there are absolutely fantastic. I Loved my time when I uh, spent some time in KOTOR. So the tour I'd always recommend is our essential collection, small group tour, Charming Montenegro. Now, this is a small group tour, so it's a maximum of 15 passengers. Um, so it's very personal, a very relaxed pace to the day. Um, so you're not being rushed around or anything like that. And you start with a, um, a trip to Risan, uh, which is just along the coastline from KOTOR, where there was the excavation of an ancient Roman villa. And they have a Roman mosaic museum there, which we have a guided tour of, then taking the history of, um, of the ancient Roman life that used to exist within KOTOR. And from there, after you'd have your visit of the museum, you'd then take a trip to Parast, which is an absolutely gorgeous little scenic coastal town, where you take a look across views of the Black Mountains. Um, you'd also see the Lady of Our Rock, which is a tiny little chapel that's built on an island just in the middle of the sea. Um, you'd have to take a little boat trip to get there. Um, but it's a fantastic sight to see as well. And of course, the, the views across the ocean are just absolutely stunning. And then once you've taken the tour of Parast and you spend a little bit of free time there, maybe got yourself a coffee, done some people watching or something like that, you then take a drive back to KOTOR itself. And your guide there is going to give you lots of information about the old ancient stone town of KOTOR. And you can really get in there and explore it just as a local would, you know, see all the Romanesque churches, um, palaces, and all the windy cobbled streets. Um, it's like an absolute maze in there, but it is 
so charming, um, and it's like an, like nowhere else I'd ever been in the in the world before. And it really stole my heart when I spent some time in KOTOR. So I'm definitely looking to go back there, maybe spend a week there or something like that. Our next question, would there be any chance of visiting a winery while docking in Santorini? We are only in port for half a day, so we'd need a short tour. Is it possible in this time frame? Of course, definitely. Obviously, you know, a trip to a winery is a very popular option um, when, when in Santorini. So we do have some um, half-day tours, four-hour tours, that are suited for those people that are, in, are not in port for a full day. So we have our, our essential collection once again, the Scenic Santorini Shopping and Winery Tour. Now again, as I mentioned, it's a four-hour tour, and it really gives you a good overview of Santorini, all the hidden gems of the island, um, while spending some time in the, in the capital as well, and also your trip to the winery. So the tour would start with a trip to Oya, which is the hilltop village, which is famous for um, you know, the buildings with the, the blue domes that you see on all the postcards, all the travel channels, absolutely gorgeous and picturesque. Um, once you spend some time in Oya, you'd have a little bit of free time there as well, just to do some souvenir shopping. Now, if you wanted to, maybe just grab yourself a coffee. Um, you'd then venture to Fira. Now, Fira is the capital of Santorini, um, a very picturesque um, Greek city. It's absolutely stunning there. And you would have a little trip to one of the local wineries um, where you'd have a chance to deli- um, sample a few of the wines. I think there's a choice of three wines they give you um, to sample. So you can spend some time there, enjoy the wine, maybe pick yourself up a bottle, um, you know, if you did enjoy it, and take it back to the ship with you. Um, and then you spend some free time within Fira, um, you know, where you can just, do again, do some souvenir shopping, get yourself a little something to eat or something like that, um, and then with a return back to the port. Now, if you've not been to Santorini before and you only have that short time frame while you're in port, um, I would definitely recommend taking this tour, um, just to give you a nice overview of Santorini itself, but then also getting to experience um, you know, that trip to the winery that is something a little bit out of the ordinary. My husband and I would like to see the ruins of ancient Olympia while in Catacolon, um, but is it essential we have a guide who is very knowledgeable about the history? Do you offer a guided tour of the ruins? We certainly do. We have um, our essential collection, Olympia Treasures and History Tour. Um, it's a fantastic tour. You know, some of the feedback we get from this is, um, is second to none, really. Um, so the tour would start um, from the port. It would take a drive to the ruins of Olympia, which were dedicated to Zeus. Um, and they're situated at the southwestern foot of Mount Cronios. Um, it says, you know, it's a must-see historical site. If you're porting in Catacolon, you know, you could go spend your day on the beach, have a cocktail, but really get a chance to go and see the history of the place, um, you know, and experience the mythology and the history of ancient Greece. You know, it's such a fascinating subject to really get your teeth into. Um, so your guide is going to give you a full guided tour of the ruins, um, giving you all the history of the Olympic Games, um, as I mentioned, the mythology of uh, Greece as well. And they will also show you some pictures you know, of, what, um, of what the site used to look like in its heyday um, to give you a feel really of, you know, of how the city would have looked, how it would have operated, and what the daily life was um, whilst in Olympia. And our last question, Rob. Now that the new season of Game of Thrones is out, I'd really love to visit that amazing destination, Dubrovnik, where it's filmed. I'm a huge fan, and this is the main reason why I chose this cruise. Okie dokie, of course. You know, this is something we're getting asked all the time. You know, with the popularity of Game of Thrones, I'm a huge fan myself. Um, you know, Dubrovnik is one of those places that a lot of people want to go see. They want to go experience King's Landing and, and see the sights of the, of the filming. So I would definitely recommend um, our essential collection, Game of Thrones Tour. 
Now, this focuses on all the sites within the old town of Dubrovnik that you will recognise, you know, from, from the TV series. So the old town of Dubrovnik itself was used as King's Landing, um, so the, the fictional capital city of Westeros. Um, you'd also see some of the sites. You'd see the stairs where Cersei did her walk of shame. Um, you know, you'd see um, the tower where... Um, the tower where, where Jamie and Cersei used to live as well, um, within their within their their castle. So it really does give um, a good overview of Dubrovnik because it is such a, even though it's the old town, it's still quite a modern feel with all the tourists there. But again, your guide will really bring it to life with um, taking you to some of the sites of you know, of the filming, and and it is magical. You know, I'm a huge fan of Game of Thrones myself. Um, I remember when I just walked into um, King's Landing. Yeah, I felt like Jamie Lannister on horseback or something. I was a uh, I was over the moon. It was a fantastic tour, so I definitely recommend that one. Um, and, you know, and Dubrovnik, it's such a such a quaint, unusual place with all the winding, cobbled streets. Um, you know, you could take a tour of the city walls if you if you if you wish to do so, and stay in the town afterwards. Um, you know, so it's it's just one of those places that is magical, and you will feel like you're in Westeros. Um, and, you know, you're part of the cast and the extras in Game of Thrones. So if you're going to Dubrovnik, make sure you get off this ship because the city is amazing. We've been talking with Rob from CruisingExcursions.com. You can find all the tours we chatted about right there on the website. Thank you, Rob. Thank you very much, Doug. Pleasure as always. We know you can't go on every single cruise. So we do it for you. Find over 200 ship reviews and money-saving tips at CruiseRadio.net or search Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio. Every day, thousands of cruisers set sail to the Caribbean and are increasingly choosing their shore excursions through CruisingExcursions.com. Why Cruising Excursions? With prices up to 60% lower than cruise lines, around-the-clock customer service, and guarantees that give you a peace of mind, why not? So whether you're looking to zipline in Jamaica, snorkel in Nassau, or see Mayan ruins in Mexico, market-leading specialist CruisingExcursions.com has you covered. Book your family's next shore excursion at cruisingexcursions.com. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at cruiseradio.net. Rebecca and her family just returned from a seven-night cruise out of San Juan on Royal Caribbean's Freedom of the Seas. And Rebecca joins us on the line. Hey there. Hi, Doug. So you're up in North Carolina, and this cruise left out of San Juan. So um, uh, some logistics getting down there. It's not just a quick drive south for you. So give us some pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to take this seven-night out of San Juan? This was actually our sixth cruise that we've done together as a family, and we booked it two years ago when we were on board Royal Caribbean's Oasis of the Seas. And what really kind of drove us towards it, we had done Oasis two years in a row, and it's a great ship, lots to do on board, but we were ready to kind of get to some different places that we hadn't been before. So we're kind of tied to the week that my daughter has off of school. So we were looking specifically for that week, and it was actually the last week out that we could even book on Royal Caribbean at that point. And it was Freedom of the Seas, which we've heard great things about Freedom Class, and it was going to Aruba, Bonaire, and Curacao, which we had been on our bucket list. So it all lined up and we booked it. So we were waiting two years to get on board and we finally did it. So it was a great trip. Did you find that pricing was better booking that far in advance? Yeah. I, you know, we felt really good about the pricing when, when we booked and we got some perks, uh, some onboard credit when we booked on board, which was nice. And we had cruised out of San Juan previously. Mm-hmm. 
And we found that it's generally pretty reasonable, but you just have to kind of consider that that's going to be a little bit more airfare wise to get there than it would to get to Miami or Fort Lauderdale uh, to some of those ports. But yeah, it was it was very reasonable. And that kind of drove us towards it as well. So you made your way from North Carolina to San Juan. Any pre-cruise time in San Juan? We like to give ourselves a couple days to decompress before we get on board. So we're ready to kind of enjoy the cruise vacation completely. So we plan to stay in San Juan for two nights. So we flew out very early Friday morning um, on Southwest to get down to San Juan, got there middle of the afternoon. It was actually fantastic because we had to check a bag on the on the airline. But between the time we landed to the time we got to the pool at the hotel, it was less than an hour. It was very seamless getting from the airport over to the hotel. Uh, we stayed at the Marriott San Juan and Stellaris Casino. That's right in Condado, which was a great property. Spent two days there, really enjoyed the pool and got to explore a little bit of San Juan before getting on the ship on Sunday. Did you get that iconic um, umbrella photo? We did. <laughs> we, we went to Old San Juan, got the photo, did a bunch of selfies. Um, we also went to the uh, the hat store, Olay, and got ourselves some some hats that we would have for the cruise, you know, for sun protection. But yeah, we had a fun, we had a fun time in San Juan for a couple of days. Fun. So you make your way to the cruise terminal. Um, now I'm trying to think. Now does Royal Caribbean do they embark um, right there in Old San Juan, or is it is it the pier outside of Old San Juan? No, it's the other pier, the Pan American Pier. Yeah, where Summit so, was, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we had to go over there. Um, we had, because it was a really crazy time in San Juan, I'm generally able to get a late checkout with Marriott, but they were booked up. So we pretty much had to pack up and get out. But they held our bags for us. And we actually that morning went and did Old San Juan. We It was fantastic. There's Uber in San Juan, which worked out really nicely. We had an Uber driver pick us up when we were down in San Juan. They took us back to our hotel to get our bags, waited there while we got them, and then we just drove over to the pier to to get on board. And Uber, how cheap is it over there? It's cheap. It is really cheap. You know, just uh, tooling around between Condado and Old San Juan and the pier and the airport, I don't think we paid more than $8 for for an Uber ride. Yeah, I was going to say, from... Frontanza Street, wherever the umbrellas are, all the way from there to um, the Pan American, where Celebrity Summit was docked, it was seven dollars. Yeah, no, it's really reasonable. And apparently, and I, we learned this after the fact, you can't take an Uber directly from the airport mm-hmm. to anywhere. Ubers walk there because that cab ride from the airport cost us about twenty five dollars just to get to the hotel. But apparently, we learned from one of the Uber drivers that if you can just get yourself just outside of that. Uh, main airport area just a little bit with a short walk, you can get an Uber driver to pick you up over in that area. Ah, that's, that's good to know. Uh, so you make your way on board Freedom of the Seas. How was embarkation? Embarkation was great. It was really um, not a problem at all. We, I think by the time we headed over to the ship, it was about two o'clock at that point because embarkation is so late out of San Juan, not until 830. We weren't really in a big rush because we carried on to the ship. We didn't have to deal with any of the baggage check or anything. So we basically just walked right in, put our bags through security. Because we've cruised with Royal before, we were able to go through the gold line, which no one was in line at all. So we walked up to the uh, desk there, and it was no problem. And then essentially walked on to the ship. The only thing that was a tiny bit of a holdup was because we're traveling with my daughter, who's nine, they have the table set up where you get the muster wristbands. Mm -hmm. And so there's only one person there kind of doing that. So 
I mean, gosh, I guess it's not much to complain about, but maybe we waited about three minutes for that before we could make our way onto the ship. So a lot of kids on the um, San Juan sailing. Yeah, because it was this was the week before Easter. Mm -hmm. I think there were over 900 kids on board. I just got off the interview with someone who was uh, sailing Adventure of the Seas, and 999 kids were on it. Yeah, it was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been on cruises previously. So, like I said, we've done Oasis twice out of South Florida. And, I mean, it's a, it's a bigger ship. There's more people. But the kids on board the ship, like, it was just, it was great. Like, there weren't any problems with it. I've been on cruises before where the kids are just unruly and parents aren't really watching them. Sometimes the teenagers can be a little dicey, but every kid that I interacted with on the ship was just polite and courteous and just having a good time. So it was really nice. How many minutes would you say from curb to ship? 15. Okay. Wow. Very nice. So you make your way on board Freedom of the Seas. What were your first impressions? If I had to say one maybe slightly negative thing about Freedom of the Seas, when you walk on board, it's not incredibly impressive because you, where you come onto the ship, it's on deck four, mm-hmm. which is just kind of outside the dining room, sort of near the casino. It's not like you're walking on to like the Royal Promenade or a big atrium. You know, there's no one waiting with drinks or anything like that. So we kind of walked on and we're like, well, where are we? It's fine. It's just how you get on the ship. It's no big deal. But it just didn't have that shock and awe like some other ships do just because of how it's designed and where you get on the ship. But yeah, I mean, it was it looked like a great ship, clean and nice. And so we were pleased. Was that a San Juan thing where you embarked or is that like a normal thing? If that ship was docked in Port Everglades, would you still, you know, embark on deck number four? You know, I'm not sure. Yeah. I feel like when I boarded that ship, um, when it was in Port Canaveral, I got got dumped right into the promenade. It might be the height of the, yeah. the jetways at each port, too. Yeah, it might be. Because I know on Oasis, both the times when we uh, went out on Oasis, you walk right on the deck five onto yeah. the promenade, and you're like, oh, wow, it's great. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah. What, what kind of stateroom did you book, and what did you think of it? So we did a balcony stateroom. Um, we were on deck seven. We like to be kind of in the middle from top to bottom and midship from front to back. Um, the stateroom was great and just, you know, kind of a consideration for people who are traveling as a small family. You know, we always book a cabin for three people. And on previous cruises, traveling with my daughter, typically that third person kind of ends up, they end up making the sofa into a bed. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that's where they sleep and it's kind of are pulled out the whole the whole time. And it makes it really difficult to get around an already small stateroom when you're not really able to kind of use that area and you can't get to the balcony. But we had booked this room and it was actually the person that we booked this cruise with when we were on board Oasis had suggested it. We booked a room that actually had the upper berth kind of pull down bed. And that was fantastic because my daughter was kind of sleeping in a bunk bed area over the main mm-hmm. bed. So we still had access to the whole couch coffee table area and there was lots of room to move around, lots of storage. So the, the stateroom was great. The balcony was a great size and they had three chairs out there for us. So it was really nice. Okay, good. As far as dining uh, was concerned on this sailing, um, did you do any dining packages before you boarded? We did. We are big fans of Royal specialty dining options. So we had booked a three night uh, specialty dining package ahead of time. Okay. And we'll get to those specialty restaurants in just a couple of moments here. We'll start at the Windjammer though. How was your buffet experience? It was good. Um, We did it for breakfast a couple of times. Um, The variety was great. 
Uh, I think we ate lunch there a couple times as well. They had some really great options. As part of the Windjammer, they had, which I wasn't familiar with, this part of it called Jade that had more kind of like pan-Asian offerings, mm-hmm. uh, which was good. They actually had miso soup at breakfast with my my husband and my daughter were huge fans of because they love miso soup. Mm-hmm. So they ate it whenever they could. But yeah, it was super friendly, super clean. Um, so, and the crowds really weren't, we were always able to find a table to accommodate us all which was good. We did actually go for dinner one time. We've never eaten at the buffet for dinner, but we were trying to be a little bit more relaxed on the sailing. So my husband and I ate dinner together one night and it was great. They had a, uh, for dessert one night, they had a crepes bar. I don't know if they do that all the time because we'd never eaten there for dinner, but um, definitely enjoyed that. The main dining room, uh, what time dining did you have and how was your experience there? So we had my time dining and our experience was outstanding. And we were really shocked by that because our only other two experiences on Royal Caribbean were the two times that we went on Oasis. And we were extremely underwhelmed with the main dining room experience on those sailings. Um, Actually, the second time we went, we didn't eat at the main dining room at all. We had kind of written it off. And we hadn't really even planned to go on this sailing. But one night, um, my husband and I ended up being able to kind of have a date together. And because we had already planned to use our three package meals uh, with our with my in-laws and as family dinners, we said, well, hey, let's just let's just go to the main dining room and see how it is. So we walked in, got a two top um, had our servers were fantastic. The best servers that we've ever had on a cruise ship ever. Christopher and Carlos on level three. And we thought, gosh, we've got to come back. So we actually ended up eating there two more nights with the whole family. And it was fantastic. You said you bought that three meal package. What venues did you go to? We did the first night actually on board. We went to Giovanni's, which we really, we really enjoyed. And what I really liked about kind of the ship in general and about Giovanni's and also Chops where they're located, um, which is kind of the entrance to them, is right outside the Windjammer, so they're aft, and they're on the outside of the ship, so you get these wonderful views of you know wherever you are, whatever port that you're in while you're eating there, which was kind of something compared to o- Oasis class that we missed because all of those restaurants are kind of inside the Central Park area, so mm-hmm. there's not really a view of the water. Um, so we actually, our first night there, we ate at Giovanni's. So we actually had sail away from Giovanni's and it was a beautiful view of old San Juan. We were right there next to the windows. Um, the food was great. They had a fantastic wine selection. So we had a really nice time there. And then how was Chops? Chops was Chops. It is always solid. So again, we had another, another great meal there. Ended up, I think we ate there during our second sea day for dinner, but we're there during the sunset. And again, we were kind of facing that way. So we were able to kind of enjoy the sunset while we were eating our meal. So you went to Giovanni's Table, Chops, and what was your third restaurant you went to? So we did Sabor, which was great. I think the only thing about Sabor was that our reservation kind of was a little bit close to a late lunch that we had had um, at I forgot which port we were at that day, but um, so there, I think we were a little full by the time we got there. And then, of course, we went to town on guacamole and chips while we were there. Um, but the food, the food was good. I think the best thing that Sabor has to offer is their drinks. Um, their margaritas and sangria are outstanding. So we really we took advantage of those while we were there. Is um, Giovanni's Chops in Sabor, is it all um, a la carte? So it's all just like a, yeah, like a service fee for, for each of those. And so Sabor, and that's a little bit different than on Oasis because the menu for Sabor, you know, it's like an individual price right, for, yeah. for each thing. But on Freedom, it's just 
um, I forget, I forget what the single, you know, if you had just done it, what the, the charge would, would be because we had done the dining package. And did you find that you did save some pretty good cash buying that dining package? Yeah, I think so. Um, I forget what we paid for it, but with chops, you know, I think the service fee for chops is maybe forty two ninety five or something like that. And I think, uh, I mean, honestly, with the onboard credit that we had, you know, we had kind of put that towards the dining package. It, it ended up being a really great deal. Did you hit up the pizza place or any other outside like burger venues or anything like that? Yeah, I think I think we pretty much did it all. We ate a lot of pizza on board. That was one of my daughter's favorite thing about the ship. Um, so Sorrento's was great. And the the pizza was actually really, really good. So we, we went there quite a lot. That was kind of our late night snack. And Again, just to kind of compare from our Oasis experience, um, they also had like antipasti and desserts also that you could get there, uh, which was which was nice. They also had the Promenade Cafe, which again, just had like, I think some more elevated offerings than Promenade Cafe on Oasis, um, some kind of more hefty sandwiches. So if you needed a, a snack kind of at any time of day, that that was a good option. And then we did do Johnny Rockets, which again was was solid. Um you know, we always we always kind of enjoy that and getting some milkshakes as well. As far as the entertainment on this seven night cruise, how was it in the theater and around the ship? Again, like we were really pleased with it. So Freedom, they do have an ice show on board. So we did go to that one night. Um, what they're doing now, it's uh, the show is called Freedom.com. So it, it was great. The ice skaters that they had were really high quality. So we, we definitely enjoyed that. They also had three or four different headliner shows in the main theater. We only got to one of them, which we really enjoyed. It was um, an all-male acapella group. They were really great, but they had some other things. Like one night, I think they had like a comedian. My in-laws had gone to that, and they said that that was great. I think another night they had, um, I want to say some kind of magician or illusionist or or something like that that was from, from a TV show. But the variety just seemed like a little bit more off the beaten path than what I'd seen on other cruise ships, which I really enjoyed Mm because it wasn't things that you would just normally expect to see on a cruise ship. So that was good. Um, And then Royal, they, you know, they had some of their other typical things that they do, like the love and marriage show. We went to that and that was always a blast. They had their seventies party, the Caribbean party. Um, They had a Latino party as well. So yeah, we had a bunch of fun on board. As far as music around the ship and the different venues around the ship, was there like a good variety of music? Yeah, there was. Um, We spent a little bit of time in the schooner bar. So they always have a piano player there. um, So that was fun. On the promenade there in the uh, Bull and Bear pub, um, there was generally uh, like a single guitarist there and we could always hear like the sing-alongs happening. Uh, In Boleros, there seemed to always be kind of like a Latin jazz band. And then there was another band that was in the Star Lounge occasionally. And they had some some live music on the pool deck as well during the, the sea days. And let's talk about sea days. How were the sea days as far as crowds and congestion? Well, I mean, I would say not not all that bad. The first sea day, which was um, day one of the cruise, we had made it our mission to spend as much time as possible on the pool deck. So we were out bright and early um, getting some some pool chairs. So we took shifts kind of um, <laughs> staying there with the chairs um, while uh, various members of our family ate breakfast to kind of hold them down because they were definitely enforcing 
trying to get rid of some of the chair hogs. So they would, you really only had 30 minutes if you just had a towel or your belongings sitting there before one of the pool attendants would come and take the stuff away. So we tried to, you know, lay our claim by actually being there in person. Um, but yeah, it was definitely full um, all day around the main pool deck. And there's there is a lot of seating though, because there's the upper, I guess, like the sun deck around the pool as well. But, um, we, we claimed our spots and enjoyed them all day. So, um, so that wasn't, wasn't too bad. As far as like the dining, um, for the sea days and the other public areas, how was that? It really wasn't too bad at all. So the first, like I said, for the first day, we kind of just stuck by the pool all day. So I kind of, I really can't comment on what was going on outside of the ship, especially because it was also formal night. And we had opted to skip formal night entirely. So we just sort of laid low. And um, I think that might have been the night that we ate in the buffet. But um, on the second sea day, we had all had quite a bit of sun at that point and were ready to just kind of have a slower day and relax. So that's when we had an opportunity to kind of take advantage of some of the other activities. So we would go to trivia. We checked out the mini golf. And all of those things, you know, we really didn't have a wait for them to, to do it. It wasn't really overly crowded because I think there were just so many things to do that everyone is pretty much spread around the ship. So we didn't really notice any problems with crowds. I want to ask you about the casino as far as the smoke situation um, in or around the casino. Was it noticeable? You know, I think the only place you noticed it was really if you were, so the casino is on deck four. Mm -hmm. If you were right outside the entrance, you know, you could maybe start to notice it. But it honestly, I I only ventured in there a couple of times and it it wasn't horrible. And I don't think it ever really got up to deck five or, or too far beyond the entrance. Let's talk about your ports of call. And what we'll do here is just give me the port you went to and a highlight from that port, then move to the next one. Sure. Um, So our first port was Curacao, which we definitely enjoyed a lot. It was beautiful architecture. Uh, We didn't plan an excursion, but we just took a taxi over to Mambo Beach and spent the day there. That was about a 15 minute drive from from the port. And it was very relaxed, had a lot of fun there and then just explored downtown Aranjastad quickly before heading back to the ship. Our second port was Aruba, and I think like other cruise ships, we had a pretty long day in port. I think we arrived at 8, and we didn't leave until 11 o'clock, but we actually only did one thing there. I had booked through an independent company a horseback ride for my husband and my daughter and I, and so we did that through Goldmine Branch, and went there where the ranch is, is very close to the beach, and so we basically spent almost two hours just essentially on a private tour, riding up and down the beach and through some of the the hilly areas there in Aruba. So we, we really love that. Our next port was Bonaire. And Bonaire has now taken the cake as my favorite cruise port. It was absolutely beautiful. Didn't really do a planned excursion there, but we had reserved golf carts through a company called Bonaire Cruisers. And so the five of us, my daughter, my husband, and my in-laws, we just hopped on our golf carts and we toured the southern part of the island. We were able to see flamingos, um, some other um, birds that were native to the island, and about three quarters of the way through that kind of southern part of the island, the loop there, we stopped at Sorbonne Beach, which is the windsurfing beach. And 
did just basically parked on some loungers that we paid a nominal fee for and at the Sorbonne Beach Resort. And again, just had a great day there, um, some buckets of beer, some food. And then when we were done, we just continued the loop and returned the golf carts back to the golf cart place, which was really close to the port. And then our last stop was St. Martin. It was actually our third time in St. Martin and the first time we had been there since the hurricane. Our normal thing that we do when we're there is we take a taxi over to the French side and go to Serafina, which is a uh, or was a really beautiful um, French patisserie that we really enjoyed. Their location, unfortunately, was destroyed by the hurricane uh, almost two years ago. But they have a new, smaller location at uh, Marina Royale. And so it took some some navigating, but we were able to find them and grab some breakfast there before heading over to Orient Beach and spending the day at Contiki, which is what we generally do. So, again, just another kind of low-key beach day there before heading back to the ship. Did they say they were going to try to rebuild the original location? Or are they just going to stay there at the new location? You know, we didn't. They, they didn't really say no. when they were there, um, when we were there, but they were they were glad that we had found them. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great group of people there. So you make your way back to San Juan. How was debarkation? Again, pretty um, pretty seamless. Because we carried on, we just did self-assist. We walked off the ship when we were ready. Customs took us, I think by the time we got off the ship, because we didn't get off right at 7.30, which was the suggested time, we sort of hung around and had breakfast in the Windjammer. So around 8.30, we were able to walk off, and customs took oh, maybe 20, 30 minutes. It was a pretty hefty line, but we weren't in a rush because our flight wasn't until later that afternoon. Looking back on this cruise, do you have any tips to offer? I would say um, definitely keep it simple and don't overplan. I think that the variety of activities are, you know, going to be different. Especially what's on board might be different from what you've what you might see on other ships. And just kind of take it as it comes and don't feel like you have to spend all day off the ship either. Just enjoy the time and relax with your family. Rebecca, could you do um, an Uber from the cruise pier to the airport? Yes, okay. you can. And and we did that. But I will say that leaving the cruise port at the time that we did around 830-ish, it was very hectic in the cruise area. So we did we did take an Uber. It kind of it took us a while to to find our Uber driver. But once we did, it was fine. And we, we took off and got to the airport. If you could tell Royal Caribbean one thing about freedom of the seas, what would it be? You know, I think she's a beautiful ship, and I think what we enjoyed about her, which I hope that they would incorporate into new ships that they're building, is just how much of a nautical experience it felt like. Oasis really feels like a floating hotel. Mm -hmm. On Freedom, you really felt like you were on a ship. There were portholes, there were views of the sea. Even on the pool deck, there was a lot of like the, you know, the really polished wood that just felt like you were on a ship. And so it really just felt like a ship experience rather than a hotel experience. And I think that's something they should really shoot for. Final thoughts of Freedom of the Seas. Well, uh, we booked her again for two years from now, so I think I think we like her. So There you go. We've been talking with Rebecca about her seven-night cruise on Royal Caribbean's Freedom of the Seas. Thanks for sharing your review. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. 
How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Let's see what we've got for you. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.